Hey, talented twangers. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Today, you'll be learning about the five T's which every guitarist should master. Carl, what are the five T's? Touch, time, tuning, tone, and tude. So you got the sunglasses out there for the tude. Um, Carl, I'm really excited to hear what each of these are. This is from your intermediate program, um, which is on pickup music. And these have been changing lives. So without further ado, first one, T, touch. What does that mean? Well, first of all, you know, this concept, I, I can't take credit for it. It was uh, a professor of mine at USC named Richard Smith. This was kind of his mantra. He would always talk about the five T's. You know, it was kind of a silly thing. We, we, were, we would always kind of be not making fun of him, but, you know, it was sort of a tongue in cheek thing. But over the years, I feel like you kind of can boil down any great guitar player. It doesn't matter what style. You, if you really boil it down, you've got the five T's. Touch, the first one, we started there because if touch isn't there, nothing else you know, it's kind of like the foundation for everything else to be built on. Making sure that you're playing comfortably, that you're uh, not pressing too hard on the strings, that your fingers are um, as nestled up to the frets as they need to be. Ideally, they're right up there, but of course, you know, depending on what you're doing, it might not be perfect all the time. Basically, that allows you to not have buzz happening. So that's for the fretting hand, but it's also for the picking hand as well. It's a very personal thing, but making it work for you is the most important part of that. Sam, who are some players that you think have really good touch? The first person that came to mind um, when I think of modern guitar players, um, people who I've worked with here at Pickup Music, um, is this artist. Now I'm going to play it and see if you uh, recognize who it is. That's him. <laughs> yeah, a great uh, Swedish guitar player, Nicholas Midi. Um, you know, more of a modern neo soul player. But when I saw him play in the uh, studio, he was so silky smooth. I think just the lightness of his touch, and he kind of needs that lightness because he dances around the fretboards so fast and so rapidly, different positions, fast fills that. You know, when I compare how I play the guitar, I feel like an elephant, like just with like like weights on my feet compared to his lightness and the touch. And, you know, not touch doesn't necessarily mean lightness, but I think he's someone who I think of as a really light um, touch. Yeah, that's a really good point. Touch doesn't necessarily mean lightness. That's totally true. Another person that comes to mind for me is uh, somebody like Julian Lage. And, you know, he's admittedly not a pedal person. So he relies a lot of like the variation in his sound from his hands. He can like really dig in sometimes and sometimes, of course, just playing really soft. I really like yeah, watching his hands move around the fretboard is is just uh, really inspiring. And then um, also somebody that we've worked with quite a bit is Ariana Powell. Every time that she's in the studio sitting there in front of me, it's it's just super inspiring to, to see her her hands in action. I agree with all of those. And I think in classical and in jazz, Julian Lage being someone who draws from both those schools, there's kind of less pedals and less effects. So it is all about the fingers. So when I think of just pure touch, 
I think of people like uh, I started with Paul Bollenbeck and we did a lot of just very slow like vibratos, no pedals, just an hour working on a vibrato, which comes from a classical tradition. And those those are the people to me, um, like Julian Age is like the the prodigy of, of that of that type of approach to touch. All right. So next up, we've got time. There's a lot of different aspects to time. We could also call this feel maybe. Um, but for me to talk about some of them, I think it's understanding like how to subdivide the beat. First of all, I think that's a really important concept for people to grasp because it's, it's theory. It is like kind of theory, music theory related, but you don't have to necessarily read it or anything. It's just something that all great musicians, um, kind of either know theoretically or just internally. Sam, who's a person that has a great time in, in your eyes? Yeah, I got this clip here from two wonderful uh, gospel quartet guitarists from the International Musician Summit. Have a listen. It's just the iPhone vid, but listen to what I would call their time feel and, and how on point it is. <laughs> Awesome playing there and yeah when i think of time i think of that on one hand is that um educational you know um side which is like you know the 16th notes and the quarter notes and where all the beats but i think for me time is a feel thing it's like an innate thing it's that that big beat um which musicians will often talk about um and then always staying in the pocket um and never kind of breaking that spell by playing out of time which speaking from personal experience is is something that i um, continue to work on is always staying in beat whether it's a fast line a slow line with your rhythm guitarist the lead guitarist and i guess the question carl is how do you practice uh your time and your feel yeah i think you nailed it on the head and i've thought a lot about that as well like as guitar players, we're guilty of of not thinking about time because we're thinking about this arpeggio and how it fits over this chord and oh, it's outlining this you know chord tone or whatever. If you can prioritize uh, a feel to anything that you're practicing first, then it'll just make everything else not only easier, but of course it will sound better as well. That's one thing I worked on a lot with my students when I was teaching um, at the college is you know really trying to impress on them that when you're practicing, even if it's something difficult, that you're always doing it in time and you're always doing it with an intention of having a good feel. Because uh, I, I'm guilty of that as well for a number of years, just trying, okay, I got to get this down. You know, and I'm not really thinking about feel. It's such a crime. <laughs> or even just practicing, like noodling out of time, like even if it's a video for social media or just not playing, practicing um, you know, at home in time, how are you going to practice it or perform in time with other musicians? If every time you pick up the guitar, it's just fluid time feel. Yeah. And I think there's so much joy to be had when you are playing in time, you know, you don't have to be playing anything amazing, but if it, if it's making you feel good internally, then uh, it's, it's a really good feeling. Yeah. The last thing I realized, and uh, we've been filming the bass for guitarist program recently um, and hearing more about 
bass. And I think this, it's as simple as this. Guitar, if you know an audio spectrum, if you pulled up a parametric EQ, guitar only takes up, you know, some of that spectrum. There's this whole low end, which we are not responsible for. Whereas when you're a bass player, you are really defining that groove. And therefore, um, if you're out of time, the song's going to suffer. So I do encourage all guitar players to try out bass because you really have to think about simplicity, note placement, so many things which we as guitarists kind of ignore because we're thinking note by note and scales and solos. And often it's real heady, whereas music, you know, should come from the heart. Inspirational speech over, Carl. All right, next up, we've got tuning. Again, I think there's multiple aspects to this. Of course, obviously there's like being in tune, okay? That's that's a given, right? We wanna make sure that our guitar's in tune, of course. But then beyond that, there's, you know, which kind of goes back to touch, not pressing down too hard and also having a proper setup. If your guitar isn't set up properly, then as you get up to say like the ninth fret um, or above, it could, you know, you're trying to play some, some chords, uh, could really, you know, wreak havoc on your intonation. Now, the other more interesting aspect of tuning to me is when we talk about bending and vibrato. You know, at Pickup, we have our, our learning pathways where people can submit videos of themselves. And I think this is probably one of the biggest things that we see from people. And that's why we talked about it in Intermediate. A lot of people bend and use vibrato with as a, as a habit. Well, mostly it's just that they're not being intentional with it. And so how do you be intentional with it? So, you know, making sure that your bends are uh, in tune, that you've practiced like maybe along with a drone or something like that, and that you kind of know where a half step actually is and where a whole step actually is. There's little micro tones in between that as well. And then vibrato, you know, I see so many guitar players that just like automatically start wiggling around and vibrato can be you know, wide, it can be narrow, it can be fast or slow. You have to like think about where you're moving that around with intention and playing vibrato either in time or purposefully not in time, you know? So it's such a deep thing. Ariel Poston comes to mind as someone that plays amazingly in tune. <laughs> You've, you worked with him. He came and did a masterclass, right? Yeah, I got this little clip here. Um, Ariel came in and did a slide masterclass. You know, if you're talking about uh, the slippery um, challenge of playing in tune, slide is the, is the hardest one. So here's a quick clip if, if we want to check that out. interesting and actually his strings and all of his notes aren't perfectly in tune but that's okay because i think it's adding to the swampy rootsy nature of the music that he's playing yeah i mean with slide guitar you're a millimeter away from whether it sounds good or bad <laughs> <laughs> or intentionally uh kind of swampy and out of tune as you said yeah a couple of other um players who i think of around tuning and vibrato specifically is melanie Fay has a really unique um kind of tight 
uh, vibrato. And she she's someone who really thinks about it. She knows about the, the different directions you can do vibrato. You can do vertically, you can do it horizontally. Um, there's different hand motions. And Seth Rosenblum is, is a guy who's really studied it um, from a blues perspective. And in his blues program with us, he really walks you through um, how to practice your vibrato and have intent around it rather than just nervously um, shaking your fingers, which we see a lot on uh, um, pickup music. Yeah, he goes into really minute detail about like, okay, here's how Clapton bend did bends. Here's, you know, Hendrix, here's uh BB King, here's Albert King, right? Like the three Kings, they all had like very distinct uh, vibrato. So yeah, he, he goes deep with all that in the pathway for sure. All right. So moving on to our fourth T tone, this is such a subjective topic. And again, there's multiple uh, approaches here. When I think of tone, there's the first aspect of coming from your hands. So again, we're kind of referencing back to touch, which is why we started with that. Remember, that was like our foundation. There's so much that you can draw from your hands. And so, you know, playing back by the bridge, playing up by the the pickup, what kind of pick are you using? You know, of course, all of those types of things. And then getting into gear is sort of the other aspect of that. So it's like the, the tone that comes from you and then the tone that is external, that is, you know, takes a lifetime and being a trust fund baby to afford every, every uh, new piece of gear out there. Sam, what are your, who, who are your top tone folks? Top tone, um, Pliny, I think it'd be the top of the list. Um, and I was listening to his, his podcast with Rick Beato, where he talks about, um, he, he's not much of a shredder, you know, compared to the other his other um, fellow guitarists like Tosin. Um, so for him, it's composition and tone and all those other really musical things. And he uh, did a live masterclass in the studio and a uh, recorded masterclass. And he used the quad cortex for all of that. And he had his tones really dialed in. I think it was the same ones he used live as well. And it was su- such an immersive, huge sound um, that that he, he had from this uh, little um, amp. And I actually had the opportunity to just hop up and just noodle around um, with it as well. And I was like, wow, I sound great. Like I, I could, <laughs> I could do stadium tours. No, um, but yeah, he's someone who's, who's a master of tone. And another one would be um, Ruben Wan. Here's a little clip of Ruben. So that was from our YouTube uh, jam track uh, collab produced by uh, Ariza, who's uh, playing guitar for Harry Styles right now. Man, yeah, that was killer. So what is, what do you know about Ruben's tone? Is he like a in-the-box guy? I mean, he's, does he have a bunch of pedals? or? Yeah, and I think it's re- a really interesting topic to explore is how these days, more and more, it's becoming software or um, like a, a multi-effects unit where, you know, when I was coming up, it's like, how many pedals can you put on your pedal board? Nowadays, um, everyone's moving both in the studio and touring, at least in pop, prog, uh, not not so much jazz and, and jam band. Um, so 
I know Ruben uses the neural stuff and uh, the Line 6 stuff, uh, Helix, that is. Yeah, another tone guru that we've had the pleasure of working with is Josh Ray Gooch, Joshua Ray Gooch for our Rock Pathway. And I mean, of all the artists that I've worked with so far at Pickup, he has been by far the most particular um, about tone, you know, and he's the other end of the spectrum from Ruben, for example, I guess, um, as somebody that 100% wanted to use an amp. So we had the amp cranked in the bathroom, mic'd up, neighbors complaining. Uh, <laughs> we, we had that thing padded up like a, like a yeah. pillow. You know, but man, he sounds amazing. Uh, it sounded amazing. You know, there was there was a, quite a bit of amp noise happening. But um, I mean, you know, it, when you're playing Hendrix, like, you know, you're trying to get a Hendrix tone or legit Hendrix tone. Uh, that's how he did it, you know, so. So we've come to the last T. Is this the most important one? Yes, I think it is the most important. But the thing is, is you can't fake tood if you don't have the other four T's before it. I see it as a extension of of your personality. So all all of these people, um, not all of them, the ones who I think of as like iconic guitar players, I think the way they hold the guitar and play guitar is an expression of their personality. And like you say, <laughs> they have the skills to back it up. Like it, you can you can be like, yeah, I've got all the attitude. I've got the vibes. I've got the moods. I've got the look. And I'm talking about, you know, we're in LA, right? So this, this is a lot of people. But if you can't actually, you know, have the skills or the four, the four previous T's we've discussed, then that's only getting get you so far. Right. Yep. Totally. To me, it's it's uh, it's a Im very important aspect, and I think it's something that you can also kind of practice. And that's um, something that we talked about in the learning pathway, because a lot of times we we work on something and we're not even really thinking about the final product. So maybe the final product is creating Instagram videos, maybe it's creating content, or maybe it's playing in front of thousands of people, whatever it is, once you've learned it, then execute what the final product is or practice executing it, you know? So if you are getting ready for a show, don't just sit in your chair and practice your parts, you know, stand up have your pedal board in front of you, crank up your amp or whatever you're playing through and actually practice moving around and um, engaging, you know, I mean, it might feel kind of silly like doing that in, in your room by yourself, but I'm telling you, the more that you can like get up and engage your whole body um, and imagine yourself performing and the more comfortable you'll feel when you actually are there and you have to do it. Who would be your picks, like the ultimate pinnacle of attitude? I mean, every time I see Jimmy Page do anything. Um, he, he's kind of just the epitome of, of Tude for me. And it's funny cause I was thinking about this and I found this clip of him. Like, have you seen that, that film? It's a documentary film. It might get loud. It's with the edge and Jack white. And they kind of just like talk about guitar stuff. And to me, Jimmy page is just hands down way cooler than either of those guys. I mean, Jack white's kind of cool, but he's trying really hard. And the edge is actually kind of nerdy. I don't know. But Jimmy Page, he, he's just naturally cool. He just has this dude that you can't deny. Um, but there's this clip that I'll share uh, when Jimmy Page is talking about his influence, which was the, the guitarist Link Ray, who was like around in the 50s and like one of the first Native American um, rock, rock and roller. His hit Rumble was very influential on Jimmy. So check out, he's like listening to this clip and then he's going to talk about Tude. Uh, 
I've listened to anything with a guitar on when I was a kid, you know, that, yeah. that was being played and, and uh, all those different approaches and the echoes. And, but the first time I heard the rumble, it was like, that's, that was something that had so much profound attitude yeah, to it. Yeah, it really does. It really does. So anyways, I know that if you're just listening, you can't see Jimmy's uh, reactions and how he's like mimicking the guitar and stuff. But you could tell he's listened to that record hundreds and hundreds of times. And he's like, he's mimicking like the, how he envisions like playing it and stuff. There's a performative nature to, to that, that not everybody has to have necessarily, but you know, if you want to be in front of people playing music, it has to excite you. Another situation where I feel uh, too is important is just working with other musicians. Like I hear stories often on um, like people auditioning for gigs in LA where everybody is a great guitarist and the thing that gets you over the line or, or gets the gig is if you can hang. So I feel like it's important not just to the audience, but also with other musicians, whether it's on tour or just jamming out with your mates, like being a, being a fun person to be around in a musical setting. And lastly, you know, not everyone needs to be a rock star when it comes to the tude. A guitarist that comes to mind who's kind of the anti Tude uh, is Cecil Alexander. Uh, he's a fantastic jazz guitarist who uh, teaches in our jazz learning pathway, and he's so relaxed when he plays. And I feel like he has to be so relaxed and zen-like in order to hit these blazing bebop lines. Just listen to this, and if you can't see what we're showing, just imagine the most relaxed person ever. <laughs> Such a great solo, so relaxed, even when he hits the double time, um, which is crazy. So seamless between the double time and then the kind of laid back bluesy licks. If you're interested in jamming over that same track, um, we have these really cool jazz organ trio tracks in Cecil's Advanced Jazz Guitar Masterclass, which is super fun to play over. Those are the five T's. If you were to pick one uh, for you, Carl, like if you could only have one, what what is the most important one for you and I guess for students to work on? Time, straight up. Is that because uh, it's usually the weakest part of people or you think it's the most important part, uh, you know, when you're listening to guitar? I mean, it's it's just the most important part. It, it actually is a little bit of both. But, you know, you could have everything else, but if you don't have good time, then nobody will care. If your tone isn't like the greatest, but you have everything else, you'll still be pretty compelling. If you have great tude, or if you have no tude, but you have everything else, you'd still be pretty compelling. But it goes back to time, you know, I, I think. That's so funny. And 
I don't know about you, uh, if you're listening or you, Carl, but I feel like timing is usually the bottom of the practice <laughs> schedule. Yeah, you know? but that's what I'm saying. That's what we were talking about earlier. Like you have to put that at the top of your priority list when you're practicing. Isn't it funny that the most important thing is is often the, the lowest priority? Cool. Well, thanks for tuning in to the pod. It's been top of the morning. It's been twanging and uh, we appreciate you listening in. Um, we're back every Saturday and uh, we've been getting a lot of love recently. The views and listens are, are building and we are on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts uh, and wherever you get your podcasts. So if you don't mind leaving us a review, that is always appreciated. Make sure you follow us um, on your chosen podcast platform and this has been sam and carl and we hope to see you back next week thanks for listening everybody see you later